All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back here to episode 11 of the Solid Ground podcast. My name is Lucas Larson, and I'm joined again by my brother, Skylar Farley. And we have a special, special guest today, our first feature on the podcast, uh, Pastor Nathan, Nathan Smith from uh, the Refuge Church in Kannapolis. Um, Skylar, this is a special episode, man. Why don't you let them know what we're going to be getting into? Well, I feel so privileged to have Pastor Nathan joining us today. Uh, so often I pop into Pastor Nathan's doorway, he shares an office right down the hall from me and come with a theological question and an hour and a half I emerge later with my mind just swirling. Uh, he's a scholar, a man of God, and I feel like you guys are getting invited into one of those just office sessions. And uh, so much love for Pastor Nathan. So grateful for your time joining us today. Specifically, we'll be looking at Romans 9 through 11. Today's episode will feel a little bit different where we're not just going to go through line by line, but we really wanted to give an overarching view of the importance of these chapters, what's contained within them, some of the history of Israel. And I couldn't think of anyone better to do that uh, than Pastor Nathan. So again, thank you so much. And just a little bit of uh, for Lucas and I as we get started today, Pastor Nathan was one of those people, probably the main person uh who really introduced me to the importance of Israel. And, you know, he'd be praying about it in a night watch service at 3 a.m., praying for the salvation of Israel. <laughs> and here I am, you know, <laughs> just scratching my head. And I'm like, I'm sure this is important, but I couldn't tell you why. And I'm yeah. not even sure if I care. And, but just hearing his heart for it over and over again kind of started to provoke me that I should care. And the defining moment for me really was at the Origins together for Israel conference last year, which Lucas, I know for you, that was a significant yeah. moment too, just an eye-opening experience for us. And Pastor Nathan, I don't know if you wouldn't mind, just tell them the, our viewers a little bit more about the upcoming TFI conference and another way they could find out more of the content we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, well guys, thank you so much for including me in this. I feel super humbled and honored and just love and appreciate you both. and love that you're doing this podcast. Um, yeah, together for Israel is an incredible organization that's based here in Charlotte. Our good friends Scott and Beth Volk um, lead that ministry, and uh, they really champion God's heart for Israel, both Jew and Arab, uh, and especially um, the believing Jews and Arabs in the land of Israel. And they uh, they work to support them and build them. Um, and it's, it's really fantastic. And does teaching on kind of this kind of stuff that we're talking about. So they've got an upcoming conference September 18 through 20. We're hosting it here at the Refuge in Kannapolis on the north side of Charlotte, uh, Friday through Sunday. Uh, it, it's going to be solid uh, teaching that it, it's not boring. I think that's the thing. Yeah, some, yeah, some people can hear these topics and say, okay, isn't that like for the 60 plus crowd? I mean, <laughs> yeah. just being honest, you know, yeah. uh, a lot of people assume that and, I, and we understand why they assume that, right, you know. Right, right. But this is not that. Uh, it'll really help bring some context to some of these things we're going to talk about today. And just incredible biblical teachers, Scott himself, Dr. Mm -hmm. Michael Brown, mm -hmm. Bob Gladstone, Terry Furr, and then uh, Paul and Hannah McClure from Bethel will be leading worship. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and they're actually super. from Carolina, if you guys knew yeah. that. So oh, super, super great. It, I, I really encourage people to check it out, togetherforisrael.org, learn more information about the conference and join us. Yeah, And I yeah, can't and remember, Lucas, I think you would probably say the same thing how much it's not just like the 60 plus crowd. I'm not uh, exaggerating yeah. when I say, and I was a part of different conferences last year and no offense to those other conferences, Together uh, for Israel conference last year was like a marking occasion for my life, like a defining moment for me, um, just into the plans and the purposes of God. And Lucas, so many conversations we've had have kind of come back to that moment for both of us. 
Yeah, I know I was going to say the same thing is, you know, I think that um, the, you know, the connotation towards it can be that it's some historical lesson, right? Uh, as y'all keep saying, for those who are 60 plus, man, but it really is a powerful reality um, that I think all believers should know. And was something that was gracious of the Lord to open up in my life through that conference. And Nathan, is it going to be uh, online? Because I know there's some people that are not from the Charlotte area that listen here. Yeah, that's actually a great question. And I, I'm not sure if the plan is to live stream or not, but they typically capture um, video and or audio yep. of okay. all the sessions and make them available. So I don't awesome. know that it's going to be live streamed, although this year's event is free. So yeah. that's really incredible. So I think that would yeah. be great. Yeah. I'm sure they'll offer it uh, once the, the conference is done at very minimum. For sure. For sure. Okay, awesome. But seriously, y'all, yeah. like, go go and check that out. Um, like Sally keeps saying, it was something that, um, was incredibly life changing for me just again to see the plans and purposes of the Lord laid out. Uh, and especially through, like we're talking here, through Romans 9 through 11, I think really lays it out well. So, guys, are y'all ready to jump in? Let's do it. Yeah. Well, I just want to start with this question, uh, Pastor Nathan, for you. You know, why would people, whether theologians, pastors, just uh, your average, just Bible reader be tempted to skip over these three chapters specifically. Yeah, it's funny. And, and for those that are maybe going through Romans for the first time with you guys and, and, and considering it, chapters 9, 10, and 11 deal specifically, really, it's kind of the, uh, the uh, strongest appeal in all of the New Testament about the Jewish people, what their role yeah. is, what their purpose is, why, you know, so, you know, what does this all mean? Um, and so, quite honestly, to succinctly answer your question, um, people skip Romans 9, 10, and 11 oftentimes, literally when they're doing Bible studies on Romans, when they're teaching expository preaching, they'll just skip it sometimes. And the reason is, if they do not have any understanding, or they have a wrong understanding of the role of Israel and the Jewish people in the church today and in God's plan today, then it kind of becomes this thing of, it's kind of like the people that say, well, I'm a Christian, I don't read the Old Testament because that's the old and I'm in the new. And mm. we know that that's, that's not correct. That's not, right. that's not good theological um, understanding. Yeah. But if that's your mindset, you just say, well, that's Israel, that's the Jewish people, and, you know, God's mm -hmm. done with them. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, we don't need to spend a lot of time on that because now the church. And so a lot of that really is rooted mm -hmm. in um, errant theology. Uh, and we can talk about that some, but that's the main reason it gets skipped. Either who, what is all this stuff about Israel and the Jewish people? Because um, you have to keep in mind the nation of Israel wasn't on the map for 1,900 years. Wow. Yeah, right? right. So, you know, the nation of Israel, uh, 70 AD, the, the temples destroyed by year yeah. 135, the Romans put most, not all, but most of the Jewish people out of the land of Israel, hmm. you know, sack it and name it um, Palestina after the Philistines. Hmm. And, you know, it's not there on the map anymore. So then you've got yeah. centuries of people trying to figure out what all? What do you do with all these scriptures in the Old Testament and in Romans 9, 10, 11 about Israel mm. when there is no Israel, you know? Mm. And so, unfortunately, rather than us be, be humble and say, Lord, what would you teach us through this? And this happens, unfortunately, I've done this. I'm sure other Christians have. We feel like we have to have an answer, so we start making up answers, unfortunately. Mm. 
and uh, it ends to it ends up being really errant theology that sets people on the wrong track. So that that's the most succinct answer. Yeah, just hearing you talk through some of those reasons, Pastor Nathan, would you mind just kind of defining for people, it might be the first time they've heard some of these terms as they relate to eschatology or the study of end times mm-hmm. and Israel. So, for example, you know, a futurist, somebody who believes that you mentioned some of those scriptures from the Old Testament are yet to be fulfilled, right. whereas some might place it as they've already been fulfilled. Could you define just the kind of high-level view of some of those different terms that might yeah. help some of the people listening? Well, without getting into the weeds too right. much, because we could be here all day, oh, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for sure. the, the idea of having a futurist understanding of, uh, of the prophetic scriptures is that uh, everything that Ezekiel, Daniel, Jeremiah, Isaiah— Everything that they have prophesied, some people uh, uh, would have a view that all of that's already taken place. There's nothing yet future for us to look to that any of those prophets have have shared. Therefore, um, there's no reason to spend a lot of time on that. People have that same view as it relates to eschatology, Matthew 24, 25, book of Revelation. Um, If they come from a amillennial view, meaning that you know, there is no millennial reign, and this may be some new terminology for people. Bottom line, what's going to happen in the end of days? How does the story wrap up? Right. Um, and uh, your view of that really determines how you read all of the Bible. I mean, that really is true. And, the, and maybe the quickest way to sum that up is to say this. If you've ever seen a movie before, um, and you know, you, you know how it ends, and then you watch the movie again... <laughs> You watch it with a completely different perspective because right. if you know that guy ultimately doesn't die in the plane crash, then, yeah. then you watch the movie with different eyes. And I would just say it's very, very similar depending on how you view what Scripture says about the end of days is going to inform how you read all the rest of Scripture. And so a futurist view says, I believe there are things that are still yet to be accomplished, mm-hmm. and therefore I read with that view. That's, that's maybe the quickest way to say it. And that's the angle we're looking at it from today, Absolutely. right? That's the way that we're reading these chapters. Yeah. That's the lens that we're looking through, not to categorize it, but it does, as I've heard you say before, help us kind of know, again, what lens we're looking through so it's coherent right. and it actually makes sense of the scriptures that yeah. we're reading. So, Lucas, would you mind just jumping in those first five verses, and then we'll start actually diving into some of the scriptures? Okay, man. So Romans 9, 1 says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies to me through the Holy Spirit. But I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. They are the Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple service, and the promises. The ancestors are theirs, and from them, by physical descent, came the Christ, who is God over all, praised forever. Amen. So some pretty intense verses, <laughs> pretty oh, yeah. uh, intense burden that he shares. And I mentioned how Pastor Nathan having this burden, you know, hearing him pray about it frequently, talk about it frequently, kind of provokes something in me. And I think that if you're just reading through this and you sense, man, the Apostle Paul really cares about yeah. this thing, yeah. you know, what is that meant to do in us? Let's just start there. Yeah. What is that meant to do in us? Well, let's let's put this in quick perspective, yeah. Yeah. right? So. We just finished Romans 8, right? right? You guys just did a podcast on that. And Romans 8 ends with, right? Um, I'm convinced neither height, depth, 
angels, demons, present, future powers. Nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Then what is the first thing you just read? Paul says, I wish I was separated. (laughs) I mean, we just talked about you can't be separated because of how powerful God's love is. And then Paul comes right off the bat saying, but let me share my burden with you that I carry so deeply that I would be willing to be separated from the love of Christ. What? I'm just telling you guys, I love y'all. I don't know that I'm willing to be separated from the love of Christ. I don't know if I'm proud of that or not. Uh, I, but man, Paul, a Jew, is saying, I just explained to you guys, nothing can separate us. That's how powerful the love of Jesus is. Yeah. But let me share my burden, my own people, my own people, not just my own people, not just that he's some ethnocentric guy, okay? Right. It's that, wait a minute, not just my people, the people that were given the scriptures that we have to read, Mm. the people that were given the presence of God Almighty, the people that the whole story of Jesus comes from Mm. are not here at the table. But that's that's essentially what he's saying. So Romans 9, 10, and 11 is Paul bearing his soul saying all of these powerful things we've talked about from Romans 1 all the way to now, he takes a moment and says, hey, all these beautiful things we're talking about, the Mm -hmm. fact that, you know, it's not the law, it's that we obey the law, and it's not that we can't obey the law, it's by the power of the Spirit giving us the ability to fulfill the law in Jesus through the Spirit of God. Hey, while we're talking about that, let me hold on and remind you, the whole people that started this story for us don't have a seat at the table right now because they haven't received Jesus as the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And he says, this aches me to the point that I'd be willing to go to hell if they would know the truth. And guys, this is what burdens me so much. Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll say it this way. I've shared it many times before this way. Mm -hmm. My daughter, uh, my oldest daughter, Ella, just had her 16th birthday this year. We had a birthday party. All her friends were invited. It was wonderful. We know her friends. They're welcome to come by our house any day of the week and hang out. We love them. They're great. However, it's her birthday party, right? So if they all came and there's cake and balloons and the music's playing and she's offended and she's upstairs in her room, right? And we're all having the party. If no one at any point comes and says, well, hey, Mr. Smith, where's Ella? Isn't this her? Isn't she a big part of this? If no one says that to me, I love them all. I'm glad we're, we're having a good time. But my heart the entire time is, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we're eating cake. But mm. the one that this was all supposed to be centered on initially is not at the table, you know? Yeah. For someone to at least care, you know? Can we still eat cake? Absolutely. Can we still? Are they still welcome in my home? You better believe it because it's, it's a party. But man, they were a, I mean, she was a key element to the party. If for no one to say, well, where is she? Or even worse, well, who cares if she's here? We still get free cake. Wow. Like, that's a problem, you know? Mm. And that's the way I read Romans 9, where Paul is saying, I'm not saying this has to matter more than anything. He's saying it matters to me, and it should matter to all of us. Because all the salvation you have as a Christian came through a group of Jewish people 
who wrote down these words that you get to read, the ones that served in the temple to honor the presence of God, that were believing for the Messiah to one day come, all of them were paving the way for us to experience Jesus. And a great majority of them, not all of them, but a great majority of them have not received Jesus as the Savior. Mm. So this party we're experiencing, they're supposed to be a part of it, and we should at least carry a burden that they're not here. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, That's kind of yeah. how I feel about so that. Yeah, and you kind of answered, I, I wanted to ask you, you sort of answered it there as you finished up. You know, because, I mean, this really is an absurd statement, right? Like coming from Paul, especially like you were saying, coming off the heels of everything that we walk through in the depravity of man and in the beauty of the gospel, the way that God works out grace in our lives. And then coming to this peak in Romans 8, even where he talked about the hope in salvation and resurrection should be weighed so high over the sufferings that we might have in this life that we continue through them. And even as you said, that nothing will separate us from his love. Um, it, so then what is, I mean, and again, you sort of answered at the beginning, at, at the end, um, but what does that burden look like for us as people who are in North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina, wherever it may be, as Gentiles who, who are really, I think, in a lot of, for a lot of people, disconnected from this idea? Mm-hmm. Um, does that just, does it, does it look like a caring that leads to praying and intentionality in that way? Like, how does that actually surface in our lives? Man, I love that you, you phrase it that way, Lucas. And and I don't know that I have the definitive answer. I can just share a blip of my story. I didn't care. Okay? So yeah. uh, I'll just tell you. So for the person listening to this being like, I, first of all, I don't know why we're talking about this. I would say I understand that. And for the second second person that says, you know, I, I don't. I don't get a burden for any of these things. I don't even know a Jewish person or whatever. Right. Totally get right. it. Um, I was raised in Alabama, not the Jewish epicenter of the world. You know, uh, I, I didn't care, man. I didn't care. Uh, I wouldn't say that I had a uh, lack of concern. I just was oblivious. You know, I right. wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, you know, defiantly against it. I just was ignorant. You know, mm-hmm. and. Um, Man, I just began to ask the Lord a very dangerous question, and that's, God, would you share with me what's on your heart? Mm, Would you share with me what's on your heart? And I think that's a good prayer for evangelism. I think it's a good prayer for, you know, meeting your neighbors, you know, all that (laughs) stuff. But here's the thing. The poor are on his heart. Mm. The widow, the orphan, they're on his heart. Justice, it's on his heart. Guess what? Israel and the Jewish people, they're on his heart. And if you ask for it in time, I'm not saying day one. Uh, I'm not saying this is the most important issue in Christendom, you know. It just, it matters, you know. And whereas I lived uh, with it not mattering to me at all because I was ignorant to it, for the person listening to this saying, I don't really get it, um, Romans 9, chapters 9, 10, and 11 give you a window into Paul's burden and so then you get to say, why does Paul care so much? Mm-hmm. Then you start going down that rabbit trail and say, wow, the reason he cares is X, Y, and Z. And then you say, should, should I care? You know, And that was kind of the, the analytical process. But quite honestly, as I prayed, the Lord one day, 2012, asked me point blank, uh, Nathan, why why is it okay you know nothing about Israel and the Jewish people? Mm-hmm. I don't know that the Lord's going to do that for every single person that hears this, mm-hmm. but that's what he did for me, um, and it really started in asking for his burden. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And and so I believe if you ask the Lord, God, burden me with what burdens you, yeah. several of those things I mentioned are going to show up, but Israel and the Jewish people are going to show up as well. And, and let me just say, and I don't want to get ahead of us in, in our conversation, um, some people, like I said, because of poor teaching, they have already kind of been inoculated or you know, they've, they've got the vaccine, as it were, to not care about this because they were taught one, well, God's done with Israel. You know, they rejected Jesus, and so therefore God rejected them. You've got people that teach what's called um, dual covenant theology. Well, the Jews have a covenant. It's the old covenant, and they have like a golden elevator that gets them to heaven on their own. They don't need Jesus, uh, so therefore we shouldn't share Jesus, and we shouldn't worry about it because they have their own kind of backdoor entrance. And I've always been puzzled by Christians that teach that because it diminishes the power of the blood of Jesus. I'm, I don't understand that for the life of me. And quite honestly, I think it's the most hateful thing you could do is not share the gospel with any group of people, whoever they are. Um, and so some people have had false teaching. The other, they just haven't had any understanding or interest. And I think a little open our eyes as we just read the scriptures for what it says. Don't take yeah. Nathan's advice. Just read Paul, <laughs> chapters 9, yeah. 10, and 11, and I think it will yeah. shake you. I mean, you guys are kind of wading into this. Why Why did you want to talk about it? Yeah, I mean, I know for me, one of the starting points, because I had asked, you know, Pastor Nathan in a previous conversation, like, where do I even start? And similar to the advice he just gave, he said, well, one of the ways that you love somebody well, like if you want to love your w wife well, is you take an interest in the things that she's interested in. And that for me just kind of clicked. It was like, oh, yeah, well, if God's interested in this, one of the ways I can express love is even if I don't yet, let's say that my wife likes tennis. She doesn't. But let's just imagine for the sake of example that she <laughs> that she does. And I equally don't like tennis. But then I buy the racket, you know, I get out there and I struggle through it. It might be awkward, but who knows? Two, three weeks into it, it might be having a great time and it might be my new thing. And I think that's a starting point is God cares about this, as Pastor Nathan said. Therefore, I want to show love for him by caring about what he cares about. Um, definitely for me, again, going back to TFI, I remember as Bob Gladstone's sermon on the eternal plans and purposes of God, seeing a big picture, uh, you know, view of where God had, had been throughout the scriptures, where he's taking us, the role that Israel plays in that, um, just kind of like, oh, I want to latch on to where we're going and the plans of God. And I don't want to just shoot a miss and just be kind of throwing good good church things at the wall and seeing what sticks. But if God has a plan, I want to be married to that plan. And I need to start by understanding the plan. Yeah. And Israel's a big part of that plan. So that's that's one of the things sure. that really, I think, provoked my heart. For sure. Yeah. So let me ask this, because I know I've heard people talk about this, and I haven't actually seen this in my life, but I could easily see this happening, is you're starting to take an interest in things. And my personality is prone to do this. You get hyper interested in it and right. you take it too far. Right. And I think I've heard Scott or it was Bob Gladstone or Michael Brown had said probably all of them. Yeah, that you know, this doesn't mean that we go out and, you know, we change our wardrobe and we buy yarmulkes and we uproot our whole family. Maybe it is Israel, but but we're not being called to become Jewish, right? So how how could we potentially take this too far, kind of turn it into like a caricature, you know, and just do this wrong or versus we've talked about how it's important not to dismiss it, but how could yeah. you maybe take this too far and people not hear what we're not saying today? I love this question because what, quite honestly, the answer to this is the other reason people skip over this, right? right. And it's because it's been so conflated into something that it's never been intended right. to right. be. Uh, and which I, ironic, well, so let me, I'm getting excited now. Um, the, 
God doesn't say this is the only thing that matters. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nor does he say uh, this is this is the most important thing in all of the scriptures. He just says, don't forget it. Include it in all these things that are important. And so what has happened is people start getting a heart for Israel or the Jewish people. And they start recognizing, wait a minute, the early church was 100 percent Jewish. All of them, every author of the Bible, every single author, Jewish, right? Um, the only one that's ever even debated is Luke, and half the scholars think he was Jewish. But let's just say with the other half, he wasn't. Okay, 39 authors of the 40 that we know of were all Jewish, you know? Um, so when they start realizing, wait a minute, Jesus was Jewish. His name wasn't Jesus. That's, that's the English translation. His name was Yeshua. Mary's name isn't Mary, it's Miriam. Joseph's name isn't Joseph, it's Yosef, because they're Jewish, you know? They mm-hmm. lived in Israel. They, they didn't live in North Carolina, you know? It's not a sin to translate. There's nothing wrong. We need translation. We would understand it if we didn't translate it. But when you start putting things in its original context, you start realizing, wait a minute, the Bible was written in Israel and in, in areas of that uh, that part of the world, the Middle East and into into yeah. Europe. Uh, it wasn't written in North America. You know, you start contextualizing and you say, wait a minute, I may not be able to fully understand this unless I allow myself to try to bring in a little more context of the people that were writing these things were receiving inspiration from the Lord, and they were all Jewish, you know. In doing so, some people start saying, wait a minute, I need to more identify as a Jew. Mm-hmm. You know, they see they see Paul's writing about being grafted in to the, the vine. They see grafted into the olive tree that is Israel. They start saying, okay, uh, I need to start reading the Talmud, and I need to start reading the Midrash, and I need to start going to a synagogue, and all these types of things. God's not saying we're supposed to be Jewish. Matter of fact, Romans 10, uh, it says, it it reminds us that God is God of Jew and Gentile, and when he says that there's no difference between the two, the Lord is the Lord of all, he's not saying that all of our uniqueness has gone away. He's just saying that we're, we're one in Christ, that one new man, but we didn't lose our unique identity. In other parts of Scripture, it says, hey, if you were a Jew when you got saved, keep living as a Jew. If you were a Gentile when you got saved, keep living as a Gentile. The Scriptures become the supremacy. Jesus becomes the supremacy. We follow Him, and we're led by the Holy Spirit. But whatever your condition, if you lived as a Jewish person, that doesn't mean you have to now start eating pork to prove that you love Jesus, right? Uh, that you know, it, That's not important. So what happens is sometimes, especially people in the church, they think I need to go buy a shofar. Uh, I need to start waving an Israeli flag everywhere. And quite honestly, we saw this more and more since the modern rebirth of the uh, the modern state of Israel was reborn in 1948, which in my personal humble opinion is one of the greatest prophetic realizations to happen mm. uh, in, in the last hundred years, maybe in the last thousand years. Um, mm. Because it was wiped off the map. Um, and Jeremiah prophesied, can a nation be reborn in a day, yet no sooner will she go into labor, she the, the child will be born, essentially. I mean, the nation of Israel was not on the map. And in May 14, 1948, there it is. Um, and so it, it's a miracle that people have all kinds of thoughts about that. Um, but the bottom line is, it has increasingly become political and politicized, hmm. which makes people nervous 
right? If I'm kind of pro-Israel, does that mean I am some sort of card-carrying whatever and I have to align politically? When, and Scott says this uh, and says it so well. If you, look at the Isra- if you look at Israel through a political lens, you'll either hate one group or you'll, or you'll hate the other group. You'll love one group, you'll hate the other group. You'll, you'll love this political party, you'll hate the other. You'll love the Arabs, you'll hate the Jews. You'll love the Jews, you'll hate the Arabs. If you look through the issue of Israel through the lens of the Bible, you'll end up loving both Jew and Arab. Mm-hmm. You'll end up loving God's plan uh, because it's not about politics. It's not about religion even. Mm-hmm. It's about loving people and having a burden for the people God also has a burden for. Damn, so good. Mm-hmm. I love that you, you hit on the next verse that we're actually going to look at, Romans 10, 12 through 13. He's the God of the Jew and the Gentile kind of hitting on this concept of the one new man. And I could see this being a reason that people would dismiss the importance of a national or an ethnic identity exactly in Israel. So how do you kind of marry these concepts? Because we do see the concept written, you know, literally throughout the epistles of this one new man, that the wall of division between Jew and Gentile, the things that once separated are gone. And yet we see uh, importance placed back on, Israel as a, a nation and as a people group here. So how do those two concepts work together? What role does the nation of Israel, this ethnic identity play in the coming kingdom that's made up of Jew and Gentile? Yeah, it's an excellent question. And this is where people can really start bogging down politically, okay. right? And and obviously that's not our objective here. Um, so I want to get ahead of those that mm. their, heart, their heart's beating fast right now and they're mm. ready to, you know, let us know about uh, the plight of the Palestinians and mm-hmm. how if we support Israel, we support an apartheid state. Mm-hmm. Um, Galatians 3.28 reminds us, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Okay, um, We're all one, right? Um, in Christ Jesus, that's the bottom line, right? That's why Paul echoes that in uh, Romans 10, verse 12. There's no difference between mm-hmm. Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? So what I would point out is when people quote those verses, Galatians 3 or Romans 10, and they say this whole Israel, this whole Jewish issue is a moot point. Mm. We're all one in Christ, so let's skip all this and let's Mm. move on back to our initial question. Why do they skip this? Well, it's a moot point. Well, here's the problem. Galatians 3, there's no neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. Okay, um, are there still men and women? Absolutely, right? Um, is there still Jew and Greek, meaning Jew and Gentile? Of course there is. The, Paul is not saying we lose all of our unique qualities now that we're in Christ. Mm-hmm. What he's saying is there's no hierarchy. There's no, you're a super Christian if you understand Jewish stuff. Or Jewish people are super Christians if they give their hearts to Jesus because, you know, they're the elite fighting force or they're the elite whatever. No, he's not saying there's a hierarchy in those things. However, you still retain your unique identity. I will always be from the southeast of the United States of America. That's not going away anytime soon because it's who I am. You know, I'm a Christian. I more identify as a Christ follower than I do a Southerner, you know, or an American. In the same way, a Jewish believer in Jesus or a Gentile believer in Jesus, Gentile just simply meaning non-Jew, person from the nations, um, their identity is ultimately in Christ. Hmm. 
but it doesn't take away our unique identities. Does that make sense at all? Absolutely. And so yeah. this is why we have to get to establish that because many people don't even go past that. Hey, we're all one in Christ. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, yes, we are all one in Christ, but our unique identities still matter. That's why quite often when it comes to evangelism, the people you're going to be the most uh, effective in reaching are the people groups you came from, mm-hmm. right? If you were part of the skateboard crew, guess what? You're going to have a good rapport with people who skateboard because you understand that, right? Basketball players hang out with basketball players. Mm-hmm. Musicians hang out with musicians. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean you can't reach a different people group. It just means you're going to re- really identify with right, right. in the same way uh, Jewish identity still matters today, mm-hmm. uh, just as anyone else's identity still matters today. But in Christ, that is the great equalizer. That's where we come together. Um, so I say that kind of as introduction, because otherwise, if we lose sight of that, then we get into ethnocentrism and, mm-hmm. you know, well, you know, the Jewish people are better or, or the Israelis are more important or, you know, uh, the Palestinian people don't matter because right. they, they don't have the covenants. It's the Jewish people that have the covenants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's where it starts getting really wonky and people start getting into some really errant stuff. Wow. All people matter to God. Mm-hmm. Um, but so. Israel and ethnic Israel doesn't matter any less than any other people group or country. Right. And the prob- the problematic thing is, unfortunately, through Christian history, hmm. the Jewish people, Israel as a nation, as a people, have actually been persecuted by the Christian church more than any other group in all of history. And that is not a proud thing. That is not a very proud thing at all. And it's, yeah. it's something that we need to repent of. But because of that, many in the church have moved on from the Israel issue mm-hmm. or they move past it or they think it's it's a non-starter. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think even as you're talking about the way that the Christian church has treated the Jew throughout history, um, I think that while the overall rejection, Israel's rejection of Jesus is, more in the storyline of God's sovereignty. I think that that did play some role in that. Um, and I could be wrong in that. But I think I would like to, if we could just for a second, like take a minute and set up before we move into where Romans 11 takes us in the heart of Israel now and where things are going. Um, almost just like set up where we sit now, right? And so we're going to work through Romans 9 more specifically, but if we look back just for a second, Romans 9, 6 says, Now it is not as though the word of God has failed, because not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Right? Then going forward, he states a prophecy from Hosea uh, in verse 25, says, I will call not my people my people, and she who is unloved, beloved. And it will be in this place where they were told, You are not my people. There they will be called sons of the living God. But Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. So the number of Israelites is like the sand of the sea. Only the remnant will be saved, since the Lord will execute his sentence completely and decisively on the earth. And then coming down to verse 30, it says, What should we say then? Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained righteousness, namely the righteousness that comes from faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not achieved the righteousness of the law. Why is that? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, as it is written, 
Look, I'm putting a stone in Zion to stumble over and a rock to trip over. And the one who believes on him will not be put to shame. And so, Nathan, I kind of want to point the question at you is, I, don't, I, I want to ask why it happened that way, but I know that's not an answer, or I know that's a question that doesn't have an answer, but how did we get to this point in which, uh, you know, Israel has, quote-unquote, missed the mark of righteousness, and how have we gotten to where we are, and then I want to get into, like, where are we going, you know? Yeah, well, it's, it's a great question, and, you know, um, the story of Israel is your story, it's my story, it's Skylar's yeah. story, it's every person's story that's listening to this podcast if they've come to salvation in Jesus. Um, it, it's that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, you know, yeah. and and we've still tried to mess it up. You know, like no one no one has proactively worked towards my demise more than I have, you know, like I, it, it's just, it's human nature. We've got the enemy working against us. Um but if you back up and you remember, God started with a person, right? Started with Adam, started with Eve, and he wanted to he wanted to share in uh, creation. He wanted to share in administering his love and kingdom in the earth, and we messed it up. Then he decides to start again with Abraham, and, and he's going to start up. He says, I'm going to set aside a people, and through that people, all the nations of the earth, Genesis 12, will be blessed, right? And so it wasn't just for them. It was for everybody. So that's the beginning of the Hebrew people, um, Israel, the Jewish people. And so he, here's the bottom line. Um, why did it happen the way it happened? Why did God start that way? This is the story of the Bible. This is our yeah. story, hmm. right? Um, you know, Abraham chooses a wife and she can't have children, right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Rebecca, Rachel. None of the wives, all of the wives of the patriarchs were all barren. I mean, think about this. None of them were able to have children. You're like, guys, not doing a good job starting this, this people group, you know. <laughs> You've got to choose better, better wives. But this is the whole point. Why would God have them sovereignly choose these women as their spouses in order to bring about this peculiar people that God's trying to establish? It's because it's impossible. Only God would mm. do it. So yeah. all of them are barren, and God had to do a miracle in each of them in order to do the thing that he promised he would do. It wasn't that Abraham was so awesome. It's that God is so awesome. Mm -hmm. And so we move forward. This is the bottom line with Israel as well, right? A partial hardening has happened. Not all who call themselves Israel are Israel. And quite honestly, there's a lot of people that use that verse there in Romans 9 that you just quoted, verse uh, 6, um, that see— you know, national Israel is not really the Jewish people. They're not really biblical Israel because not all Israel uh, is real Israel. And it gets really crazy. And it doesn't help in English that Israel says, is, has the word Israel in it. So that gets really awkward. Um, the bottom line on that is just as there are many people that call themselves Christians, right? But they haven't walked in the true identity of what it means to follow Christ, Um what, what Paul is saying is those that are called to this purpose, to be the people of God, who were to be a kingdom of priests to represent the knowledge of God to the whole earth. Lucas, we so often forget. We forget our history. Nobody knew who Yahweh was. Okay? Yeah. The yeah. nations did not know him. They were yeah. sacrificing their children to these pagan gods, these deities, these spirits. And, uh, you know, we won't get into all that. But, you know, they've got all these different spiritual principalities and powers, idols that they're worshiping. They don't know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
And so God created a people with a purpose to introduce the entire world to this Mm. great God of love. And so he has to use a people to demonstrate himself to and ultimately to promise a Messiah who would come from that line of people because if his parents had been of the nations or they'd been born in America at some point, they wouldn't have been God-fearers. They would have been idolaters. Yeah. They, would have, they wouldn't have known God. And so the Messiah would have been born to wicked parents. And if he was obedient to them, he'd be serving a false God. And that doesn't mm. work. He created a people. It's like a runway. It's a runway that he's yep. going to launch this thing into. Does that mean he used them for that? Of course not. He wants to be a blessing to them, but he wants to be a blessing through them. And Lucas, just like you and me and Skylar, They've messed it up royally. Yeah. yeah. Insert Nathan, right? I mean, just insert me into that <laughs> sure. story, sure. right? Yeah. And so it, that is really the bottom line. Why did it happen that way? It happened that way because people are involved. And, and I'm a people, and I mess it up all the time. But that is why Paul goes to great length to say, hey, before you give up on the Jewish people, yes, they're my own kin, Paul speaking. I'm, I'm not Jewish. I'm a good little Gentile boy. But, you know, Paul is, is saying, yes, by and large, not all, but many have rejected him as Christ. Mm-hmm. But don't forget, God started with them mm-hmm. and he's going to end it with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So don't quit on them, please. Mm-hmm. Don't treat them better. Right. Don't, they're not some super human, wonderful. No, they're people. Right. Mm-hmm. But just don't diminish their value either. And that's that's. I'm starting to get excited. Sorry. No, it's it's amazing. <laughs> well, I want to uh, go ahead and jump into Romans 11, and uh, I'm going to read the first two verses and then jump down to verse 11 just for the sake of time. And there's a lot of major themes that emerge here, and then we'll just take the conversation where the verses lead us. So starting in Romans 11, verse 1, I asked then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Jumping down to verse 11. Again, I asked, did they stumble so far as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? I am talking to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles. I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Before we get into some of the tension that's taking place between Jew and Gentile, let's just press on for a second. Uh, this idea, and you've hit on it a little bit already, did God reject Israel? And I think emphatically he says two different times, by no means, absolutely not. Well, the God, God is not done, right? Um, could you just for a moment talk about where verse 12 it talks about, for, so if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches their full inclusion bring? What is Paul talking about their full inclusion? So if their transgression, them rejecting Messiah, the gospel going to the to the Gentiles has meant salvation for you and I and for all Gentiles. What is he talking about here, their full inclusion? Yeah, great question. So first, we totally agree, and it's not our opinion. The Bible says he did not reject them. Okay, so full stop. Mm-hmm. Um, anything beyond that, they're going to have a hard time getting past those verses, right? Um, 
So, so he did not reject him. Full inclusion. Well, it, it is the full realization of who God called them to be, mm. right? Um, Skyler, you know, you and I uh, are not going to be um, fully who we are mm-hmm. outside of full inclusion in the gospel right, in right, Christ, right, right? Right, right? That's where we find ourselves. Mm. So remember, Sermon on the Mount, right? Mm. You're the light of the world, sitting on a hill. You know, neither can a light be put under a bowl, right? Who is he talking to? He's talking to a group of Jewish people on the right. side of the mountain, okay? And the reason it's important for this is because they have had ceremonies, festivals for generations. They had the Shabbat every Friday night where they light the candles and they remind themselves they're to be a light to the nations, right? This is their calling. And so Jesus is saying, hey, guys, don't forget why you're here. It's the same thing a pastor may say at you know, XYZ Baptist, Methodist, whatever church that's saying, don't forget your purpose. Like we're Christians. We're not here just to take up space and chase the American dream. We're here to spread the gospel. Right. And so full inclusion is, hey, Jewish people, you've got this amazing heritage that God created in the Old Testament. And it all points to the beautiful, right, the beautiful call on your life. But just because you have that history doesn't mean you're fully realizing who you're called to be outside of the dynamic relationship with Jesus because it all points to him. So their full inclusion is not just having types and shadows, but coming into the revelation knowledge of Mm -hmm. Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, so that now they're able to fully be what they're called to be a light to the nations, right? That's full inclusion. Amazing. So would you say, one thing I was just picking up on as you were saying that, this is not just referring to a quantity of Jewish people being saved, but also a quality that God is bringing them to in fullness and maturity in the gospel. Is that an accurate way to kind of read that? I think so. People debate when we get into the not all Israel are Israel okay. or, or Israel within Israel. That's right. a, a highly debated topic, way more okay. than we want to okay. get into sure, today. Sure, sure. But bottom line, my understanding yeah. is... Um, when and we'll talk about it later, but when yeah. Paul talks about all Israel being saved, mm-hmm. you know, does that mean every single Jewish person on the earth? Mm-hmm. Does that mean uh, national Israel? Mm-hmm. Does that mean a certain number of Jewish people that profess faith in Jesus Christ? I don't have the answer for mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would hope it's all. Um, and so I'll just be humble on that one. But sure, yeah, sure. That, that's, that's my understanding. Awesome. One other thing I want to hit just in these verses before we move on. So he talks about he refers to himself literally as the apostle to the Gentiles. But then he talks about the goal of his ministry being that through the Gentiles, he would provoke Israel to envy envy and jealousy that they would receive Jesus. So I just, I love this because again, he's, he's attached to the plan of God where this thing is ultimately going. What does this mean? Again, kind of back to our question at the beginning, how do a group full of guys in North Carolina or people who might be listening and attached to their local church, what role do we play realistically in provoking it? How, how much should we be thinking about provoking Israel to jealousy? What is um, our role in that? What does that actually look like? Um, do we have a role in that? We absolutely yeah. have a role in that. Um, yeah, I think, again, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to live in a community with a lot of Jewish mm-hmm. people. And that's the only way you can provoke Israel to envy. Mm-hmm. I mean, prayer is a huge piece of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also tangible things such as giving, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, my, my wife for a time, um, her boss was Jewish 
Uh, and one thing we would do, we listen, we don't believe in trying to force someone to believe what we believe. I don't, that's no, there's no compassion in that. Um, but one thing we would do is, you know, at Hanukkah, we would keep up when the holiday came around, recognizing that she was the only Jewish person in that office, you know, and it was her boss. And so we would get a little candle and a card and just say, hey, we just want you to know, happy Hanukkah. We recognize that mm -hmm. we, we love you. God loves you. You know we're Christians. Mm -hmm. Jesus loves you. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, man, just, just that thing of I recognize that your identity matters, you know, and in doing so, it opened up some really great conversation. Um, and so there are ways that you can provoke Israel to jealousy. Me, and what does that mean? Well, it basically means, hey, Israel, you were given the prophets, mm -hmm. the patriarchs, mm -hmm. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. You, you were given, you know, the feasts and all the, uh, the temple service. Man, you, you administered the Holy of Holies. This is unbelievable. You, you, you did all of this, but you're not experiencing the fullness of the tangibility of the love of God mm -hmm. because it came through Jesus, someone that you have by and large rejected. Mm -hmm. So provoking them to jealousy is saying all that hope, peace, love, fruit of the Spirit that God produces in us, it's for you too. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, we wouldn't have any of it if you hadn't right. faithfully protected the scriptures for generations, you know? <laughs> so we want to say, we're not better than you. Mm -hmm. We're not looking down on you, which unfortunately most Jewish people through the ages have felt that way. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not saying, you know, uh, we hate you because you killed Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. This is, you know, another thing that Jewish people really, you know, shudder when they start hearing evangelicals or Christians talk about Jewish people in Israel because they're used to being told, hey, we're the Christ killers. So, you know, let's get let's burn them all. I mean, that, mm. that happened in in our history. That's just a travesty. But no, 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 we're not blaming you for anything. We want you to know all of that. We've all that we fulfilled and found in Christ Jesus is available to you, too. Mm. We want you to be we want, we want to provoke you to jealousy saying, it's for you. It's for you yeah. too. It's not only for you. It's not for you more than it is for an Arab. It's not for you more than it is for a person down the street. No, it's for you also, mm -hmm. right? That's that's mm -hmm. the provoking to jealousy. And the way we do that, obviously prayer is a huge part of that. But taking an interest, mm -hmm. taking an interest, learning about the Jewish feasts. Why did God spend so much time talking about them? Why is the Old Testament so, spend so much time on them? You know, why did they have to have a council in Acts chapter 15 in Jerusalem that the bottom line was, hey, don't people need to be Jewish before they can know Jesus? That was the question in Acts 15. Doesn't everyone need to become a Jew before they can become a Christian? Why? Because it was so Jewish, you know. Yeah. They said, no, they don't have to, by the way. That's the answer. They don't have to. That was Acts 15. But the point was we should take an interest and say, why was that such a big deal? Well, because it's so seeded in mm. the fertile soil of God's covenant with Israel. Mm. Yeah. Scott, you want to finish through 17 to 24? Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and read that out and uh, we'll yeah. just see what jumps out here. So if some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do consider this, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then branches were broken off so I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. 
For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will also be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut off of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. So I would say that this is probably one of the climactic verses in this passage about the fullness of the Gentiles coming in so that all Israel will be saved. If you don't mind just pressing into that for just a moment. Yeah. So, you know, this is Paul really gets to the crux of this whole point. Um, He's basically saying, guys, Gentiles, Mm -hmm. don't lose sight of this. Now, why, you know, kind of one of the laws of rhetoric is don't answer questions people aren't asking, you know. So why does he have to keep saying so did God cut off the Jewish people? So is God done with Israel? So why? Because they're asking that question. Like, right. well, hey, and, and, and for those that don't know maybe biblical background very well, the early church is all Jewish. And then, you know, Corn, the, the episode of Cornelius' house happens. The first Gentile comes to know Jesus, and then they get filled with the Spirit. And then now the gospel starts going to all the nations, the Gentiles, non-Jewish people, and it spreads like wildfire. And mm-hmm. so now— in the next few years, you see a high number of Gentiles coming into the church, but you right. see less Jewish people coming into the church because of persecution from Rome. Mm-hmm. And after uh, Jesus's death, you have definitely those that are, you know, opposing another, you know, it's, it's becoming very um, divisive and uh, the, the early church is being persecuted. All this stuff is happening. So that's why Paul's having to say, mm-hmm. hey, let me explain to you. It may look like this thing is moving past Israel and the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And he's just saying it may look that way, but don't be arrogant mm-hmm. and don't be ignorant. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say, as we get to this point, Paul was the most trained, as we understand, in Jewish understanding of all the apostles. Right. And he's the one that God sends to the Gentiles, right? I think that's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, how are these Gentiles who know nothing about the Hebrew Scriptures, wow. the Old Testament, they know nothing about Jewish tradition, how are they supposed to contextualize this idea of a Messiah? What is a Messiah? Well, it's a, it's a Hebrew idea, you know? And so yeah. how are they supposed to understand unless God would send a trained Jewish man to explain it and put it in context? That's why Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. So we could take, there's a lot we could say about that, but I'll, I'll leave that there. Um He says, I don't want you ignorant of this mystery. And can we all agree, Lucas, I think you can you can see this, too, just in the church. We've missed it the most where we've allowed ourselves to be ignorant and we've allowed ourselves to be arrogant. Right. I mean, that that's we mess this whole thing up the most. And when it comes to Israel and the Jewish people, um, if there is one thing that we have completely botched in so much of our history, is our ignorance towards God's intention for Israel and the Jewish people mm. and our arrogance towards them, right? Um, and, you know, uh, it, so when he says, ultimately, all Israel will be saved, let me summarize it this way. God started with a plan. He planted a garden. It's one of my favorite things about Genesis. 
He spoke everything else into existence, but it says he planted a garden, mm-hmm. right? He got down on his hands and knees and planted a garden, and he made it. Why? Because he prepared a place for us. Mm-hmm. Who are we that he would do that? Mm-hmm. He prepared a place for us. That's a theme we're going to see all throughout Scripture, wow. that he's going to get his hands in the dirt to prepare a place for us. Wow. And we say, no, thank you. Wow. And we say, no, thank you. And we say, no, thank you. And we just, that's the whole, I'm, I'm paraphrasing the Bible for everybody. And he plants the garden and he creates a place. And he says, hey, actually, I'm even going to set aside a piece of land. And in this land, I'm going to reveal myself to you. And we don't listen and we get kicked out of the land, you know. And so, again, he says, well, I'm going to share it with the Gentiles. And we find a way to reject God. I mean, it's just the story yeah. of humanity. It's the story of God. And, and really, for everyone that's reading the scriptures, every chapter, every verse, you should end up not saying, wow, Samson's awesome. You say, no, God is awesome. <laughs> Jonah's not awesome. God is awesome. Amen. Paul's not awesome. Amen. God is awesome, right? Amen. Because he is so amazingly faithful. He started with the people. He gives all these covenants, promises, and in all of the prophets, he says, I am going to do this thing. I'm going to do it through the Jewish people. I'm going to reach the whole world. And then we're all going to live all at the table together Hmm. in perfect fellowship, harmony, unity in the last days, end of days, new millennium, the kingdom. We're going to all be together at the table. He says, I'm going to do it. He says in Jeremiah, I'm going to plant you again. I'm going to scatter you out of the nations, but I am going to plant you again in that land with all of my heart and soul. I would just recommend anything God says he's going to do with all of his heart and soul. He's going to do it, you know, and no one's going to stop it. Zechariah 2 you are the apple of my eye for whoever touches wow. you, Jerusalem, touches the apple of my eye. Wow. What does all that mean? I don't even begin to understand. All I know is it's important to him. And he says, I'm going to do it with a certain people. Everyone's invited. Mm-hmm. Abraham, don't forget your call is to be a blessing to all of the nations. That's the word Gentile. To all the Gentiles. Not at your exclusion, but at their inclusion. Yeah. Man, people are people. And Israelis, Jewish people are people too. And we reject him and we walk away. Just don't be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters. Hmm. Yep, they've made a ton of mistakes. Yep, they've hardened their heart, especially towards Jesus. Yep, many of them have have suffered because of that. Yep, there's all kinds of horrible things that have taken place. But not all of them, and not always. Hmm. Because there is coming a day. He says, verse uh, 25, Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles come in. What in the world does that mean? Hmm. That means there comes a day. Hmm. Jesus said, first the gospel must be preached in all the world, then the end will come. Hmm. Well, what is he saying? There's a hardening on the heart of Israel until that day when every nation has had a chance to hear. But guess what? That has an expiration date. There comes a time when that has happened. Hmm. And then what happens? It says, and in this way, all Israel will be saved. If you drop a stone in a pool of water, the ripples go out until they hit the edge. When they hit the edge, they bounce back to the center. Wow. The gospel started in Jerusalem. Wow. It started in Jerusalem. And it is still, I got caught in the ripple effect in Alabama, South Alabama, where I gave my life to Jesus wow. as a six-year-old boy. That ripple effect that started from the man Jesus in Jerusalem in the Middle East 
it rippled all the way to Mobile, Alabama on October 11th, 1986, when I gave my life to the Lord. And you know what? I never would have done that if there hadn't been faithful Jewish people to protect the scriptures so that one day I'd get to read them. If there weren't apostles who were Jewish that gave their life, gave their life for the gospel, I would have never heard the good news if other Gentiles had been told the truth that shared it with me. That ripple effect washed past me, and it's still washing. It's washing through Iran. It's washing through Pakistan. It's washing through all the nations of the world. And then guess what? It's going to ripple back to the shores of Israel and the Jewish people. And what God started, he is going to finish. The numbers, the amount, the dates, the time, that's not for me to sort out. I'm just trying to read this word and understand what he's doing. Because he says, hey, as far as the gospel is concerned, they're enemies for your sake because they're opposed to it right now. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. Patriarchs For God's gifts, verse 29, and his call are irrevocable. I have not quit on them. I have a heart for them. And I would just say this. For the people that think God is done with Israel and the Jewish people, people that teach that God literally divorced Israel. I've heard it. Pastors preach this message that God divorced Israel. He's done with them. They are an apostate people. Matter of fact, many church fathers that it would hurt people's feelings when they say their names right now, um, preached that not only did God divorce himself from Israel, but you do God a favor when you persecute the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Telling you, we could go down a real rabbit trail. There's a reason Kristallnacht happened on November 9th and 10th. Because uh, it was Martin Luther's birthday, and he was one of the ones that said we should burn the synagogues, right? These things happened in history, and it's wicked. And does that mean everything he ever said was wrong? No, he said some wonderful things, but we can't forget the horrible things that he said. Um, and there's coming a day, there's coming a day when he will restore everything that he started with. Just like Eden in Revelation 22, Eden's going to be restored. I'm telling you, Jew and Gentile will sit at the table. And we'll all be one in Christ, and it'll all be for the glory of the Lord because His gifts and calls are irrevocable. And I think that's important. And I would love to just kind of wrap things up with this thought in that verse 26, 25 and 26. Uh, maybe to correct, I think that this was a overly simplistic way I used to look at this, where it's like, okay, the gospel hits the last shore, the last person who's never yeah. heard the gospel before. It's like the magic number. We hit the gong. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's like, mm-hmm. guys, you finally got it right. Jesus <laughs> comes back. And it kind of may become a puzzle piece in my end time scheme. And just a longing. There's a there's something somewhat pure in that. And it's like it's a true longing true. for Jesus to come back. And there is a desire for them to get saved. Um, but is there more going on, even as it relates to just to kind of wrap this whole thing up? Uh, you mentioned some of those old time or Old Testament prophets prophecies that were given that are yet to be fulfilled is there more going on in this verse all israel be sa- being saved and this could be a huge discussion for another day but even as it relates to jacob's trouble the time of the great tribulation that is prompting their cry blessed is he who comes in the name of their, their desire for jesus to return is there more going on than just a full number of gentiles coming in that provokes this cry in their heart to receive the messiah yeah well i, I definitely am not a um you know, uh, authority on eschatology. Uh, And, you know, we're going to have people with different views that are on this um, recording that are listening. And so I I would say my understanding um, is that what God started is going to finish. And um, we've got to be careful. And I I love the way you phrased it, Skylar. We've got to be careful 
that Israel doesn't become just this pawn in the grand mm. scheme of things. And we don't really care about them except that they fit in at the very end and that's good so we can get on with the story, you know? Like a means to the um, end. Like a means to an Absolutely. end, exactly. Right. Right. Um, and we've got to be very careful. And, and quite honestly, there are groups that that's the way they treat it, you know? Mm. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we must remember um, God cares about people. Jesus says, it's my, it's my desire that none should perish, right? Mm. So we should care about Jewish people, just like we care about Muslims, just like we care about Baha'i or Buddhist or whatever else, um, they're people. And we want them to know, we want them to know Jesus because we want them to know the fullness of salvation, the joy in the Holy Ghost. We want them to know fullness of life in him. But we also recognize that God has a unique place and position for them and that the enemy has a particular hatred towards them. And I've heard it said many times, uh, if God is done with Israel and the Jewish people, Satan never got the memo. Um, because if you look at the persecutions and uh, they've been kicked out of every nation they've ever lived in, ever, you know, um, and it's absolutely unbelievable. So that in itself, I think anti-Semitism is one of the greatest proofs of God's uh, unending plan for Israel is that he's still using them. That's why the devil right. hates them so much. Um so that's, that's another topic for another day. Yeah. But I do believe that there comes a time. Look, Jesus comes back, not just to the earth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. He said he would come back. The angel said to the apostles, in the same way that you saw him leave, he will return. Mm -hmm. In the same place. Zechariah tells us it's the Mount of Olives, mm -hmm. right? Um, the Old Testament prophets tell us, right? There's coming a time. And when he comes, he sets his foot on the Mount of Olives. It splits in two. And the Messiah marches in through the eastern gate. Well, there has to be an eastern gate to march through, you know. Mm -hmm. There has to be an Israel for them to come to. If there is no Israel, uh, he can't come back to Israel. If there is no Jerusalem, he can't come back to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. um, if there's no Jewish people, Matthew 25, I tell you, you will not see me again until I hear you say, yes. blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yes. Who did he say that to? Jewish people in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Well, if there are no Jewish people in Jerusalem... Jesus can't be, he can't be welcomed back with them saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. So there is an end time strategy to all of this. Mm -hmm. And whereas we might still be debating it and have our different opinions, and I respect that, I believe Satan's very clear on it, you know, and he's mm -hmm. trying to fight it tooth and nail. Um, I, I believe I've, I've had the privilege to go to Israel several times. Uh, if you go uh, outside the Eastern gate of the Temple Mount, there's a, a, a Muslim graveyard all up against the shuttered eastern gate. And in the 1500s, they, uh, they, they put a, a graveyard there because uh, they were reading the biblical prophecies that said the Messiah mm. would one day walk through the eastern gate, right? And so their thought mm. was, well, we don't necessarily believe in the Bible, but if the Jewish people are looking for this Messiah figure to come through the eastern gate, we'd, he'll have to walk through a Muslim graveyard, and no good Jewish person will do that, right? So they the idea being, whatever we think about it, the enemy and even the Muslims, to some degree, have decided there's some validity to this stuff that the Messiah is going to come back to Jerusalem, and we're going to do some things to try to thwart that. So for those that disagree or have different opinions, I, I want to respect that. My understanding is this. He started with the people. He'll end with the people. Uh, he's always had a heart for everybody. It's yeah. never been to the Jew only. Even if Romans 1.16 says it's to the Jew first, it never said to the Jew only. 
Uh, it never said to the Jew better. It said to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. So I believe we have a responsibility to trust that what God is doing will crescendo. Israel will be the final chapter. It will be. Uh, the story of the gospel started there. It will end there. Um, and if that's all you get out of all of this, that you should pray and ask the Lord about that, then that's a good first step. Um, and uh, I'm way too excited about this and could talk way too long. So. <laughs> I think we have to use the word crescendo there. And Paul starts with unceasing anguish, this immense and overwhelming burden. You know, I myself wish that I could be cut off. And then he ends with a doxology, this spontaneous moment of worship. And I just love that what starts in his heart as this, uh, this groan, this cry for the Jewish people, he considers the full scope of God's plan and he bursts into worship and a doxology considering the scope and the yeah. wisdom of God and the end time plan for God. Lucas, do you mind just reading that doxology there starting verse 33? I'd love to. It says, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? And who has ever given to God that he should be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. 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 We say amen to that. <laughs> I just want to say God has a plan. I just, even when I don't fully understand the plan, knowing that he has a plan and there's somewhere he's taking us, gives me so much confidence, so much encouragement, and it does make me want to not be ignorant or arrogant concerning the plan, as Pastor Nathan said. And uh, so I want to encourage all of you to just continue to press into this topic. Pastor Nathan, if you don't mind just sharing, what would be some good resources, perhaps maybe that ways that you've learned more about this outside of just obviously spending more time sitting in these chapters? What would be some places that you would turn people towards? Yeah. So again, guys, first, thank you again, you know, Skylar, Lucas, you guys are amazing. Yeah, I love you for doing this. Thank you. Yeah. So humbled. Um, there's great resources out there. Uh, we've mentioned Together for Israel several, several times. They're just dear friends of ours. Um, they do a podcast. Scott's written a book. Jesus was not a Christian. Uh, it's fascinating stuff. The, the title itself is provocative. Um, yeah. And uh, but it's sound. It's good. You don't have to be scared. You know, um, it's it's helpful. Um, Dr. Michael Brown is a gift in this area. Uh, again, how 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 do we get so blessed that he lives in our, our town? You know, mm -hmm. but um, he has a website, ask ask Dr. Brown dot uh, org, uh, where he just has so much information. A book I would commend for anyone that's trying to wade into this. Um, it's, uh, it's a book called Our Hands Are Stained with Blood. And the reason I start with that one, because uh, my, my assumption is most of our audience today are likely believers. Uh, for those that don't know the Lord, I'm so glad you're listening to this and just humbled that you listen to us talk about scripture. And, and I hope it makes you jealous for more. Um, but for those of you that know the Lord, uh, I've referenced some things that actually may have been upsetting to you uh, today, even talking about the history of the church and things that that we've, we've really gotten wrong. That book uh, is a gift to the body of Christ, Our Hands Are Stained with Blood by Dr. Michael Brown, that talks about the, the dark history. Um, it's been said before that the pages of history that Christians have forgotten, Jewish people have memorized. And mm -hmm. that's part of, part of us learning how to have a heart for the Jewish people is us realizing how much we've messed it up through history. Um, and even been really the chief persecutors of the Jewish people through history. 
Um, and so that'll be a fascinating yet heartbreaking read. However, uh, the first few chapters are a gut punch, go ahead and tell you, but it gets better because it takes us into the hope and what we can do about it now. And I think you'll find that to be a great resource. There's, there's so many other things I could point you to, but I would start there. Together for Israel, um, askdrbrown.org, that book, Our Hands Are Stained With Blood. Um, and hey, read the Bible, right? Yeah. Read the Bible. Um, remember, Jesus died a Jew, uh, lived a Jew, is coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Uh, that matters. Um, and you know, first verse of the New Testament, you know, here's the the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of Abraham, the son of David, right? I mean, it, it, the New Testament starts reminding everybody Jesus is Jewish, you know? And right. so in, in doing so, um, it just gives you better context to recognize, hey, maybe I don't have this all figured out. No, I don't need to go buy a kippah or buy a shofar, but maybe I should understand these things a little better. Perhaps that would help you. Um, and just pray, God will speak to you. Thank you just so much. I didn't mean to cut you off there, Lucas, just for your time and uh, the depth of study and hours, obviously, that you've poured into this that we just got a glimpse of in this podcast. I know it's it's been helpful to me and to our listeners today. So just want to thank you again for your time and just for who you are in the Lord. No, 100%. And I was going to say the same thing. You know, I feel like we have just cracked open the top of an incredibly large chest of treasure in this you know i and honestly even through this conversation nathan i really just want to thank you so much for your time and uh for the things the lord has placed upon your heart in this and the wisdom that you have in scholar for facilitating through the conversation here um and even as going through this there's so much that just blows me away and i would seriously encourage anyone who you know this is new for you first of all like read through these three chapters. I know that we just kind of hopped around as we were talking through big points. Please like dig into the scriptures, find, um, find these truths for yourselves in it. Um, and seriously, the, the together for Israel conference that is, is coming up restoration. And even I think on the refuges website, there's a link to the origins conference from last year. Um, those are, those are easy resources to, to access. Um, quickly and uh, I know from my life um, they've done a lot in opening my eyes to this Um, is there anything else you gentlemen want to say I think that's it I want to thank our listeners for joining us for this time so appreciate you guys thanks again guys oh yeah grace and peace y'all